I'm Meredith and here's my co-host Apollo and special guest Maverick and this is Have Horse Will Travel, a uh, podcast. If you are listening instead of watching, you can find us on YouTube as well to get the video. Uh, and if you are on YouTube, instead of just listening as a, a uh, more standard podcast, then you can find anywhere that you can stream podcasts and take it with you on the go as an audio uh, podcast, audio only podcast. And so here we are again, another beautiful spring day. And uh, we are hanging out in Apollo's pasture. And Apollo just got his spring vaccinations. Apollo, tell the tell your fans what you thought about that. Uh-huh. Yeah, sniff that camera. You didn't like that at all, did you? Nope. Look at those ears. Just kidding. He was fine. Uh, he got his flu vaccine and uh, it's called flu rhino for horses. It's for influenza and uh, something that starts with the word rhino. I forget now the name. I used to know those things because like I have a degree where I had to know those things. Um, but that was a long time ago, so I don't remember the rest of the word. Uh, and he also got another shot. He got two shots today. One in the left side of his neck and one in the right side of his neck. Uh, the other shot was for East, Eastern encephalitis, Western encephalitis, West Nile virus, and tetanus. And uh, so it's called a three-way plus tetanus. Um, and so he is all vaccinated until fall. Um, so uh, just a little background if you're not familiar with vaccinating horses. Uh, horses tend to get vaccinated twice a year. Uh, that's the recommended is to get a spring dose and a fall dose of their vaccines. And Maverick is way more interested in this camera than Apollo. So let's, let's turn around here. Maverick can be our special guest. Maverick did not get his shots today. I don't know when he gets his, um, but lucky horse got to just hang out here and uh, enjoy the sunshine while Apollo is getting poked. Um, so he gets, Apollo gets his spring and fall vaccines and it's just a booster of all of those things um, twice a year. And hi Maverick, such a good boy. And uh, so that's what we did today. Um, and I thought I would talk about uh, keeping horses healthy on the road as far as like medical things. Now I'm not a vet. Um, I got my bachelor's in equine science, but that does not make me a veterinarian uh, by any stretch. I mean, I can't even remember what the, the vaccine called flu rhino stands for. So there you go. I think it's... No, I don't remember. Um, and so uh, this video is not medical advice, blah, 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 all those 
typical disclaimers insert here uh, so um, on the road I still do what is on your face Maverick oh it's nothing okay I thought he had a tick um, on the road we uh, do the spring vaccines and fall vaccines as usual uh, depending on where we're traveling there's different recommendations for what vaccines to give so I always ask the local vet whenever it's time to do the spring vaccines uh, what is recommended for that area Pff, the bugs are out um, and so it varies a little bit on the East Coast they have um, something else gosh Eastern gosh I don't remember what it's called um, he's only had that once because that dose once because uh, I guess he had it for his fall vaccine in our last year of traveling and then since then there's been uh, no need so because he's back here now and we don't have whatever that disease is here in California so I always ask wherever we're at what the recommended um, vaccines are for that area and I do all the usuals uh, all the standard dose of whatever it is that is recommended by that vet in that area while we're traveling I also get him the strangles vaccine so strangles is a very serious and very contagious disease uh, where their neck swells up and they have all sorts of breathing problems and um, it's uh, since it's very contagious and you don't necessarily know your horse has strangles until they've maybe had it for a few days uh, you know the symptoms don't start immediately as with most things you have to wait a, a little bit for the symptoms to start up and so even if I'm staying somewhere with Apollo where all the horses look healthy they might not be healthy that's how disease spreads you can't necessarily quarantine and isolate your horse if you don't realize they need it and ideally in you know in the ideal world anywhere we would stay every night everywhere Apollo would be in isolation from the other horses so that if he picked something up on the road he didn't transmit it and if one of the horses where we were staying had something he didn't pick it up because um, like a lot of times when there's a disease outbreak with horses it happens at shows or clinics or other places where suddenly all these horses that weren't sharing germs are now all together and uh, then disease can spread but Apollo was meeting all sorts of horses every night and who knows where they'd been what they'd picked up if they were show horses maybe they'd pick something up at a show and then we show up and spread it down the road it was possible as far as I'm aware it never happened I'd never had anyone contact me after we left and say hey Apollo brought some germ here um, hopefully if that happened I would have been informed so that I could 
stop spreading anything until, you know, and wait wherever we were at till it cleared up. But that never happened. Um, so I assume we were good and uh, not spreading things. Um, but I don't know for sure, you know, unless someone told me I couldn't be sure if that was happening. So as I said, ideally when a new horse is introduced to any herd, they are not put in the same pasture right away. They're put in quarantine, in isolation for, hmm, I'm sure there's different recommendations, so I'm not gonna say exactly what is ideal, but you know, at least a week um, makes sense to see if any symptoms pop up. I know some places the quarantine is as much as four weeks, I think is the longest I've heard for like, if you're shipping to, you know, another country or to uh, Hawaii, uh, where they have very strict quarantine for horses entering the country. Um, I believe that's four weeks, although I'm just pulling that out of my head. I could be entirely wrong, so don't trust me on that. Um, but anyway, there are very long quarantines, uh, but we never stayed anywhere really long enough that that would have been an issue. It would have just been for an overnight or a couple nights. And so ideally, as I said, ideally, this never really happened. Apollo would not be in contact with other horses, just in case he had, was carrying a disease that we didn't know about. Even though he's vaccinated, you can't vaccinate for everything, just like with people. Uh, you know, for a long time, we couldn't vaccinate for coronavirus. Now we can. Uh, we can't vaccinate for the common cold, you know. So if a horse had something, like their version of the common cold. Um, there's not any way to vaccinate for that. If he was carrying it around, then he wouldn't, you know, we couldn't have prevented that except by isolation. However, most places we stayed were not set up to have that sort of facility to keep him separated and also if he was too separated, he would get really anxious. And that was probably a bigger risk for his health than the small chance that he'd pick up a disease. So uh, practically speaking, he often was nose to nose with other horses sharing their germs. Um, turned out to not really be a problem. He got one respiratory infection in, um, where were we? in Wyoming. He developed respiratory symptoms, so he probably picked it up uh, a few days before that when we were in Colorado. And so that happened once. It wasn't a big deal. He had to have um, antibiotic shots every day uh, for a week or two. I forget now. Uh, but I had to give him shots every day. He really didn't like me at the end of that time. Um, but uh, he got better. It was fine. There was no lasting damage. It was just a little bit of a delay while he got medicine and he was isolated at that point so that he didn't bring it into contact with any other horses. Um, and it was fine. Um, but, you know, for... 8,000 miles traveling, 36 states over three years, 
one respiratory infection that wasn't even that severe, I think that's pretty good, especially considering that, as I said, I was not able to isolate him in most places. So who knows what he could have picked up. Um, and so, uh, let's see, apart from vaccinations, because I think I've gone on about that long enough, uh, if you're still listening, thanks for sticking with me on my ramblings. <laughs> uh, okay, so what else? Um, horses get fly parasites, and obviously they have flies on them, but there are parasitic flies that lay their eggs on horses, and then the horses swallow the eggs, which hatch out in their bellies, and then they poop them out, and the fly continues their life cycle into being adult. That is how the fly does its life cycle. They want to be swallowed by a horse, and so they have evolved to lay their eggs on places where a horse can reach with its mouth and scratch and lick the eggs that presumably itch a little bit, I would think. I'm not entirely sure about that, but um, anyway, they look like little yellow flecks of paint, is what I think they look like. Um, there's, you know, you can spray your horse with bug repellent, fly spray, whatever, um, and there's like topical drops that you can use uh, instead of fly spray uh, to try to prevent those flies that has varying levels of effect. Uh, fly spray wears off pretty quick. Some of them last longer, but you have to spray them all the time. Like, it's just a thing. So, you know, they're still gonna have some fly problems, potentially. And if you don't deal with those, um, you know, with what's in their, potentially in their belly, they could get colic, which can be fatal. And so it's, it's a little thing, but it can have big problems. Um, so uh, the solution to this is dewormer. There's other, you know, alternative medicine, herbal things you can do. I'm not gonna go into that because I'm not very familiar with those. Uh, I like essential oils for Apollo, but I haven't used essential oils for fly parasites. I shouldn't say fly parasites because fly parasites are actually a predator to flies, and you can buy them as little pupae that you put in the manure piles, and then the fly parasites hatch out and eat the flies, and then you have less flies. So they're... Uh, that's a whole different thing. So sorry if I just confused you. Um, but these flies that lay eggs on the horses, uh, there's bot flies and there's also some other ones. The bots are the most uh, well, well known. Um, but what you do is you give your horse dewormer and it's a paste in a tube that you squirt in their mouth and they swallow it and it works for a couple months on uh, the um, whatever, fly larva is in their gut. And so when I'm on the road, well, okay, so dewormer, I'm not gonna go in great deal, detail into it, but dewormer, uh, there's lots of different kinds that you're supposed to rotate between them 
so the flies don't get a resistance. Um, and then also, there's different ideas about how often you should give that dewormer. And there's also other kinds that you can like put daily in their feed. Like there's all sorts of different ways to do it. But the point is um, that on the road when we're traveling, he gets dewormer every two months, which is kind of the maximum. Um, like there's programs of giving dewormer where you go a longer time in between. Uh, but with him being in so many places in contact with so many horses and different levels of fly populations wherever we're staying, I give it to him on the road every two months just for maximum, um, you know, maximum effect. So uh, that's something we do on the road. I do give it to him every two months here too, just because it's a big boarding stable with a lot of horses and a lot of flies. So he's, uh, I, you can have their manure tested and see what their natural fly load is, um, parasite load in their manure is to see what your particular uh, deworming regimen should look like. And there's different ideas about how to interpret that and how effective the one test is and how often you need to test and blah, 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 blah. Um, not getting into that. On the road, the point is he gets as much as I can safely give him. Here he gets kind of a high dose, like on the higher end, but not, like I don't really worry about it here. I just keep him on that just for precautions because there's a lot of horses and a lot of flies. Um, so let's see, what else? Um, that's it for the routine stuff. Um, he is, he tends to be a very healthy horse. He's half Mustang. I contribute that a lot to his, uh, healthy constitution. Um, but in any case, he's, um, not, knock on wood, he's not had any real, um, health emergencies except for that that um, respiratory infection in, in uh, Wyoming. So, um, and it's been, what, he's 13 now? Uh, how long did I, let's see. I'm not really sure how long it's been since, since he first came in my life, I think eight years? I can't do math on camera. Can't really do math anyway, but um, so he's had a really good, uh, really healthy time since since he first came here. Um, but on the road, well, anyway, anyone who has horses would tell you you have to be on the lookout because horses can hurt themselves. They can get sick real quick and real serious. Uh, so, on the road, I'm often asked, well, what do you do if you have a vet emergency? Um, and that, except for with the respiratory infection, when I did have to find a vet in a hurry, all of my 
veterinary needs have been for routine things, for vaccinations, for health checks before crossing a state border for legal reasons. And so at that point, I'm able to look ahead to where there will be a vet uh, more or less on my route and either schedule them to come meet me wherever I'll be staying for a night or to stop by their clinic if we're riding right past it and I can get an appointment then. And that works really well. Um, that's been a sufficient way to, um, to handle that. So, um, as far as emergencies goes, one of the advantages of riding in urban areas and, well, rural areas, but not wilderness, of riding everywhere except for wilderness areas is that there are vets, uh, in the city there might not be horse vets but I'm only really in cities for very short like one to two days so uh, most of the time I'm in rural or semi-rural areas and there are vets that are uh, large animal vets um, so I can find one if I need one pretty easy um, the uh, luckily I've as I said, I've not really needed to in an emergency. Uh, it just gets tricky sometimes when I need to cross a state border and need new paperwork to find a vet sometimes on my route uh, without having to have them make a farm call, which costs more. So trying to save money as a uh, doing this for, you know, for a good cause, for domestic violence awareness. I didn't want to spend a lot on, you know, extra costs if I could avoid them. So, um, so yeah, so I just find vets wherever I am because I'm not in the wilderness, there are vets. Uh, let's see, what was I gonna tell you about also? Oh, um, the other thing is, yes, there are always going to be vets where I'm riding within a short drive. If I needed to call an emergency vet, I easily could. But in the meantime, I might need to uh, take care of the, that emergency myself until the vet can get there. Uh, or if it's something that's not vet worthy, it's just a small thing that I can handle. I carry a first aid kit. And in this first aid kit, if I'd been thinking, I would have brought that kit to actually physically show you. But it's in my tack locker, which is way over there. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to talk. Um, so what's in my first aid kit? So this is in, uh, this is something I put in the saddlebags easy to get to in case I really need something in a hurry. Uh, there's only a few things that I really need on the road uh, in between stops. Most things I don't need while actively traveling. I only need them uh, wherever we're stopping for the night. And so those things would be like water, um, for me, I can't carry water for him, it's too heavy. Uh, but I carry a bucket for him so I can get him water when it's available. Um, and uh, fly spray and snacks for me. Um, yeah, that's really about it. Uh, everything else is you know, other things that are just for, for wherever we're at for the night. So 
day daytime travel don't need much um, but I do keep that first aid kit handy in case I need it on the road in a hurry you know if it's an emergency and I call a vet they might not be able to drop everything and come right out um, I need to deal with it so in that first aid kit I carry banamine which is a mm, prescription medicine for horses for if they are colicking uh, which I mentioned earlier can be fatal and so I do carry that in case I need to give it to him uh, in a colic situation. I carry um, bandages and antibiotics uh, in case I need to dress a wound. I carry uh, of course vet wrap to keep the bandages in place. I carry uh, Let's see, a little pair of scissors and a little knife and whatnot for, uh, you know, whatever. You never know when you're gonna need those. I've used those for all sorts of things. Uh, tweezers in case I get a splinter. Uh, a tick remover for either of us. Oh, I hate ticks. Um, that makes my skin crawl just to even say the word. Um, it's tick season here and I'm kinda freaking out a little. Oh, they're so gross. Um, let's see. I carry uh, mostly just bandages, really. I, there's a, there's other little things like there's safety pins and uh, odds and ends, little medical supplies, little syringe. Um, but that really, I, I've got a bunch of things in there that I've never ever needed, which is good. Um, I think I've got like some aspirin. And uh, I don't even know what, because I never need that stuff. So I've used the bandages. Um, the I've got a thermometer uh, for him, not for me. Um, you don't share thermometers with a horse. <laughs> uh, if you don't know why I'm saying that, you could probably Google it. Um, so let's see. I guess that's about it. Um, so yeah, medical care of horses that are adventure horses traveling. Um, you know, if you're in the wilderness, it's gonna be a little different because there isn't necessarily going to be a vet available. You might need more uh, extensive emergency supplies, perhaps, depending on how you feel about that. Um, but, it's uh yeah that's about it so anyway I hope you found that interesting I uh, as usual feel like I was kind of rambling on but then you know obviously if you're still listening you like that kind of thing so um oh, 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 oh one more thing I had to show you this awesome shirt I just got it says I would but my horse said nay. Isn't that great? So, um, so cute. Yup, I would, but my horse said nay. I love it. Yeah. Hi, buddy. Um, so anyway, I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Have Horse Will Travel. 
You can find previous episodes on YouTube and on anywhere you stream podcasts. Also on my website, centaurride.org. C-E-N-T-A-U-R-I-D-E. Centaur Ride. I feel like I spelled that wrong. I don't even know my own website anymore, much less uh, how to add. Um, oh man. Okay, I'm done. Anyway, thanks for watching or listening, and I'll be back in two weeks with another exciting episode of Have Horse Will Travel. Bye!